us to the book of Acts, the book of Acts chapter number 2. And we're going to read here in the Word of God uh, some very familiar passages of Scripture and uh, believe the Lord to help us here this morning and uh, talking with uh, some ministry friends yesterday, uh, two other pastors and, and it was brought up about today being Pentecost Sunday and we recognize that in regards to the 50 days after uh, the crucifixion of Christ. Uh, if uh, you, being familiar in Scripture, we know that after the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, He, uh, he had shown Himself by many infallible proofs, the Word of God says, for 40 days. And at that time had ascended back into heaven. And uh, at his ascension, he had told the disciples to go, uh, not to depart from Jerusalem, but to go into that upper room and tarry there as God the Father would be sending that blessed and promised uh, comforter, the Holy Ghost. And we come to find that ten days they were in that upper room praying and seeking waiting for the promise of the Father, and uh, therefore uh, we are going to be reading about what took place that day in the upper room. Uh, but I say all of that to say we, we recognize today symbolically of that chronological timeline, but also uh, one of uh, my pastor friends said, he said, well, he said, the way I view it, he said, every Sunday is Pentecost Sunday, amen. Every Sunday where we're allowing the presence and the power of the Holy Ghost to be at work in our hearts and lives. Amen. I heard read of a church one time that they had a, uh, Brother Torbert, they had a Holy Ghost Sunday once a month. And one Sunday a month, they allowed folks to uh, uh, operate if, if they operated in the gifts of the Spirit or if there were special needs or different things that pray for. And I, and I thought, how heartbreaking, Brother Hemp Hill. I always want the Holy Ghost to be welcome in the house. Amen. We need and desire the gifts of the Spirit to be in operation. It doesn't have to be just a one day carved out or one day out of the year that we recognize, but I thank God for this Pentecostal experience. Amen. This Pentecostal experience. Praise the Lord. Acts chapter 2 and starting at verse number 1. The Word of God says, And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. And it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire. And it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. And began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And there were dwelling at Jerusalem Jews, devout men, out of every nation under heaven. Now when this was noised abroad, the multitudes came together and were confounded, because that every man heard them speak in his own language. And they were all amazed and marveled, saying one to another, 
Behold, are not all these which speak Galileans, Cretes and Arabians? We do hear them in, I'm sorry, I jumped down here to verse 11. Cretes and Arabians, we do hear them speak in our tongues. Listen, the wonderful works of God. Amen. And uh, this morning, if we can, for just a few moments of time, uh, the Lord's help, just going to preach on this thought, and it is simply the church on fire. Amen. The church on fire. Can we pray here today? Father, I do thank you, and I give you thanks and praise for each and every heart represented in this, in this house. I thank you today for your faithfulness. And Lord, we ask today that you would bless and anoint your word as it would go forth. And Lord, knowing that that word will accomplish what it's sent to do, touch our hearts and our ears today as we hear and receive. I pray today. That we are challenged and charged, oh God, by the word of God. I ask today you'd hide me behind the cross of Calvary. I lean upon you, Lord, as we can do nothing in and of ourselves. Anoint my mind and lips to preach as would give you glory. And we are quick to give you thanks and praise. And we do ask it in Jesus' name. And the church would say, amen and amen. You can be seated this morning. The church on fire. Amen. There are a lot of things that we could speak of from the prophetic and historical aspects in regards as to what is happening right here on this day of Pentecost for this uh, early church. Uh, there are many things that we could look at in regards to God's word and see uh, throughout the prophets of old as they would begin to decree and declare as they had been given insight by the Spirit of God, by the Holy Ghost as to what would be taking place and how the church and God's people would be empowered and what that power would do, what the uh, abiding presence and the infilling of the Holy Ghost would accomplish. And there are a lot of things, there is a lot of territory, there is a lot of, a lot of real estate that we can cover this morning and if you would allow me without something being as a, what we used to call a shotgun message where you just go in a hundred different directions uh, I want to focus in here on a couple of, of things here today and I believe God would challenge us as the church in regards uh, uh, in, in regards to the work and the power of the Holy Ghost I want you to understand Stand here this morning that first of all that I want to give you this uh, this uh, 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 and, uh, understanding and uh, make you very much aware of the fact uh, here on our Wednesday nights we have been doing some preaching upon biblical foundations and we have been dealing with uh, the subject uh, the last couple of Wednesdays in regards to all can be saved and a couple of Wednesday nights ago we had preached 
preached on the subject, the God of whosoever. And uh, then this past Wednesday, we were talking more specifically. What does it mean when we talk about being born again? And we had spent some time on the fact that it means uh, that we are now justified. And we spent some time there. And I say those things to say this. Just as, just as salvation is for whosoever. I also believe that the subsequent experience after salvation, that of the baptism of the Holy Ghost, is also made readily available for whosoever. Amen. For those that would hunger and thirst, those that would seek, those that would tarry. I want you to understand that a lot of times we come to find in today's modern church world as to where the uh, baptism of the Holy Ghost it is something that has been dismissed it is something that's been written off it is some by uh, by some it is something that because uh, maybe a, a lack of understanding I've often said that things that we don't understand is something that we fear and those things that we fear is something that we try to avoid but we found in the church as to where that we have become very uh, very intellectual by many rights we have uh, our reasonings and we have our our preaching and we have our programs and we have these various things and, and uh, we have since long dismissed certain aspects uh, of Pentecost we have long since uh, dismissed out the door if you will the working of the blessed third person of the Trinity. Amen. I want you to understand there's great significance and there is great importance upon the work of the Holy Ghost and Him being at liberty to move amongst us not only in this house collectively and corporately but also to be at work in our lives. I want you to understand that there are some things that only come by the Spirit. I want you to be aware today that there are things that you and I will only experience and there are only certain areas of effectiveness that will be accomplished by way of the blessed third person of the Trinity. I want you to know, did you know today, first let me set a little bit of groundwork. There are some that would say, well, the Holy Ghost and the things pertaining to the Holy Ghost, I've heard arguments, Brother Chad, that this is something that went away with the early church. It just died out and was done with the apostles. And all that is behind us now. Oh, and we come to find that the Word of God, that Christ had put such preeminence upon the, upon the Holy Ghost that we come to find that said that it is the blasphemy of the Holy Ghost is the sin, the only sin that is mentioned in Scripture that is absolutely unforgivable. It's that it cannot be undone when we grieve and when we blaspheme 
The Holy Ghost, Paul told us, the Holy Ghost, his feelings can be hurt. As the Spirit of God moves, the Word of God tells us that we are to not grieve the Spirit. That we, are to, that we should be allowing him to be at work and to draw. How does he do that? Some think that sometimes that the Holy Ghost is only at work when there are people who are excitable. Brother Eddie, at times when we find ourselves in worship and, and at times the byproducts of what I call of, of getting into the presence of the Lord. Sometimes, Brother Hemphill, we, we express that power that we feel by way of a shout. Sometimes it's by way of a dance that is holy before the presence of God. Sometimes around here you see maybe someone shout or dance or someone who might run the aisle these are expressions of worship these are expressions of that experience and that power that are going on but can I say we are doing an injustice in the church if we only believe that the Holy Ghost is just simply about an expression of worship we are doing the church an injustice if we believe that Pentecostalism is only a particular type of singing a particular type of preaching because there are many sister Torbert who are drawn to a style of singing they are drawn to a style of preaching but yet can miss the mark of what is of what Pentecost is and the work of the Holy Ghost because we can and have often reached the points and pinnacles of our humanity in thinking that these ideas and these expressions that that encapsulates the work of the Holy Ghost. Oh, but friends, can I tell you that one of the great things of the Spirit of God, one of the great things of the Holy Ghost is that we come to find as He brings about conviction and He moves throughout the house, as He moves upon hearts, as He deals. Can I tell you this morning... If you want to see a real manifestation of the Holy Ghost, it's going to come not by a shout, not by a dance or by a run, but when a sinner is pulled by conviction of the Spirit of God, when the Holy Ghost sits down beside you and he knocks on your heart's door and he says, I'm speaking to you, you can shout all day and scare him away. You can run all day and wear yourself out but I can tell you that when there's a sinner and they're broken and they're abused oh there's addictions in their life and chains that need to be broken that is accomplished by the power of the Holy Ghost hallelujah hallelujah in our Pentecostal ranks and realms I've seen it, I've experienced it. 
in times that where the Holy Ghost has been limited in regards that this is all that we think that it's for, to speak in tongues and for these expressions of worship. But as I'm saying this morning, it goes much deeper. The Word of God says that a man, if I can paraphrase here, he is drawn to salvation. God woos the heart of a man, and he does so by the Spirit of God. Can I ask anybody, would anybody be brave enough here to raise your hand and say, have you ever been in the service and the Holy Ghost read your mail? Come on here. Come on here. The rest of you who's afraid to admit it, you've been there too. Amen. I'm talking about specifics, Sister Carmen. I'm talking about things that only you and God knew about when you was in the parking lot. And only things that you and God knew about, amen, when you was laying there struggling and wrestling to try to find some sleep for your eyes. And you come into his house and all of a sudden, Brother Danny, from the first song that starts off, you're hearing that song and that song starts dealing and working. Say, oh man, I needed that song today. Is it okay? Can we just walk through this a little bit? I needed that song today. And then something said or something's done. Amen. Or God begins to work by the, by the Holy Ghost. And the gifts of the Spirit are in operation. Tongues that go forth. Followed by interpretation. And something that is said in obedience to the Spirit of God. It sits particularly and specifically right where you are. I can promise you I've been accused a few times I do not have cameras set up in your homes don't. I'm not eavesdropping. I grew up. Now you got to understand this tells you how country we were. Amen. I often tell them Aunt Shag and Uncle Kevin our zip code was E-I-E-I-O. Amen. We was back out there in the, in the, in the country. Amen. You drive through Elsinore close your eyes. You won't, I mean, you'd, you'd just miss it. And, uh, but I grew up down at Granny Merle's house. Uh, she still had a phone on the wall. So if the, some of the kids' church was in here, they wouldn't know what to think about that. And I remember Sister Brenda, it had a cord on that phone that felt like it was 300 foot long. This was before cordless cell phones or cordless phones. And I remember when Grand got a cordless phone. That was a big deal back then. But you used to take that cord and you just you just wrap yourself all. You could walk in every house. I mean, that thing was stretched out. But Sister Haley at Granny Merle's house, they had a party line. Anybody knows what a party line is? All right, some of you do. You'd get on there and you'd hear somebody, you know, they'd be a talking. Now, if you wanted to catch up on the county gossip, you'd get real quiet. See, this was all before before Facebook. It was party lines, and and you get real quiet, and you could hear what was going on. Amen. And and sometimes, you know, I I remember sometimes Granny Merle be talking, and she'd stop. She'd stop, and I'd I'd kind of look like, "What's wrong?" And she'd point at the phone. Her sixth sense was kicking in. She heard somebody breathing on the, uh, beyond the conversation. Who she, and, she, and she might do something like, hey, we'll talk later. And she'd hang up and she'd say, I know so-and-so is on that other end listening to the. Come on here. 
So I don't have a party line. I don't have an inside track. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not calling people up saying, hey, can you tell me what's going on with Brother Jerry Clark today? Can somebody give me the gossip on Sister Amy Blue? Because I'm needing some material to preach. And boy, I mean, can we just can we no no no? I'll tell you, this is what it is. God loves you and I so much that by way of the Spirit of God, amen. It is nothing of this man right here, I promise you, or whoever it be that would be in the pulpit but I can tell you this God loves you in such a way that his spirit he'll begin to reveal he'll begin to open your eyes he'll let you know that the Sunday that you came in and you didn't think you could make it any longer the Sunday you came in thought you'd die in that sin the Sunday you came in and everything in your mind was broken and bruised and the word of God by the spirit of God will speak life into your soul and he'll begin to let you know that yes God loves you. Yes, you can make it. Yes, you can be forgiven. Yes, you can continue on. Because I'll tell you, that's what the Holy Ghost does. Moves and draws and speaks. And he gets our attention and gets our mind and our focus back to God. Understand, we as the church, we need these experiences. Can I say, and, and let, me just, let me just be very clear about this. I believe that, in, and I've been saying on our Wednesday night sermon series, you will only be as spiritual as you are scriptural. Okay, I understand this because in the same token, I have seen things done in the name of the Holy Ghost that were completely out of order, that were completely out of line. Amen. In the name of Pentecost, there are things that's been abused. Hear me. But when we are scripturally doing and we are able to say, we do this, we practice this, we allow these things because this is biblical. And Sister Jerry, we can point to the Word of God and say, this is where we gain our validation in regards to why we do, why we believe, why we practice this. Therefore, let me say this, because of the basis of the Word of God... And because of those eternal truths and principles and the work of the Holy Ghost, I want to say this. I do not ever want any of you because I will not, I will not ever apologize for being a Pentecostal church. I will never apologize, amen, for God moving. Oh, I know sometimes, I know how it is. I've preached along these lines before where you know you invite somebody to church to come with you. And, and, and you know how it is before they walk in the door. If they've never been in church before, you'll say things like, now, hey, I want to tell you a few things I want to explain to you a few things I want you to know that if this happens and this happens and this happens it's uh, you know they're not crazy they haven't lost their mind they haven't you know that ain't nobody going to hurt you or anything of that nature I've, I've heard that there's been times that I shared with you the story of Mr. Rocky Jett who had came to the church there in South Roxana and uh, he had been invited by uh, Bob Ferris they had worked together at the post office and Rocky had only been in church for weddings and funerals I mean he, he just didn't grow up in church didn't know anything, didn't know anything about Pentecost. And I remember Bob was so excited. He was so excited Rocky was going to come to church with him that Sunday morning. And he, he had that talk. He had the talk with Rocky. He said, now, there, 
there might be some things, you know, that, that go on. And Bob had told me, he said, I, he said, I forewarned Rocky, you know, of what might, what might take place. And so in my mind, I said to myself, well, I just, I, you know, Lord, you, you know what to do anyway. It's, it's your service. But, you know, I, I, hope, I hope we don't scare him to death, you know. And lo and behold, we had one of them services. I mean, I mean, it was a, what we used to call just a runaway. I mean, everybody in that place, the Holy Ghost fell in that house. People were worshiping and people were speaking in tongues and the Spirit of God was moving and Rocky Jet sat there in that pew and his eyes were as big as saucers. He was looking. He didn't know what to do. He didn't run though. He didn't know what to do. He didn't know what to think. And so after that happened, Sister Haley, I thought we'll never see him again. He'll never come back again. Oh, me of little faith. And uh, But sure enough, Brother Torbert, there he was Sunday night. And there he was night after night and service after service until he reached a point, Sister Anna, where I'll never forget the night he walked down to that altar and gave his life to Christ. Had the privilege of baptizing, baptizing Brother Rocky in water and discipling him and seeing God do a work. I'm talking about a man that had no experience and there was things I'm sure Brother Gold I know that he didn't understand but here is the powerful thing about the Spirit of God is that the Holy Ghost can take even the things we don't quite understand Brother Gary but he can confirm some things in our hearts and he can let us know amen there are some things and Rocky said this he said there were things I didn't know and didn't understand he said there were things he said I thought man these folks I mean they are passionate about what they he said I didn't know what wall was going on he said but here's what I did know he said what I could not explain he said I also could not deny there was an experience that was moving upon my heart and it resonated and I felt close to God and he was drawing me friends a program ain't going to do it and a preacher ain't going to do it the singing ain't going to do it those are tools and vessels but that's why we open the doors wide and say Holy Ghost have your way speak to hearts and do what you will in our midst corporately we have to have the spirit of God at work I want you to understand there was a few things that transpired on the day of Pentecost I want you to understand they, I, I use the term here church on fire because typically you hear that old adage, if, there's, if you set something on fire or if something's on fire, folks will come out to see it burn. You'll notice that it gets the attention. And this is what was happening on the day of Pentecost. It was not coincidence that here 50 days in the feast of Pentecost of why it was the day of Pentecost was fully come. Is this okay? Can I teach and preach a little bit uh, this morning? Uh, as why it was when the day of Pentecost was fully come because of the feast of, the, uh, feast of Pentecost. And we find that this was happening here the 50th day after the Passover. Here we understand and the disciples understanding that Christ, the Lamb of God slain, the last sacrifice, 
sacrifice. Amen. The final sacrifice. And here told to go and to tarry. And not to depart from Jerusalem. Jerusalem, But to go into that upper room and tarry there. Ten days they began to pray. I want you to understand that within these ten days. You have to understand a couple of things. Number one. We come to find the Bible says they were in one accord. I want you to know. And I think this is interesting to note. Because we read in the gospels about the bickering and the fighting that took place amongst the inner circle of the disciples. They was all the time uh, vying for position. They wanted to know who was going to be the greatest in the kingdom. They wanted to know who was Jesus' favorite. Uh, who was Jesus? Who's the best preacher out of all of us? Uh, who's the best singer out of all of us? I'm, I'm exaggerating a little bit, but you get what I'm saying. Uh, they were all the time uh, vying. They were 12 individual personalities. Uh, and let me tell you, you get 12, if you just get two personalities together, you're going to find differences. You're going to find some issues and some problems. And here Jesus is managing these 12 in the inner circle and all the personality and all these things. But we come to find that while they're in this place and while they are praying in one mind, in one accord, we find that they were unified. They were unified in what it was they were seeking God after. We find they were taking care of business. What do we what do you mean by that? They were looking to uh, to replace uh, the office or to assign someone into the office that Judas had abandoned. Judas is now dead. And now uh, there were 11 of them and they were looking within those who were in that group. Those that had walked with Christ. Those that were with them. Of who it would be that would take Judas's place. We see that there are different dynamics that are going on. But they were there praying. They were there in one accord. And can I say that first of all corporately and collectively. Sister Haley alluded to this a little bit uh, this morning as she was exhorting. Is this fact. Uh, is that when we come together. Let me say is that the Holy Ghost is not just contingent upon a particular type of service. A particular type of day. A you know just you could call revival. And it doesn't mean brother uh, Hemp Hill is going to be a Holy Ghost revival. It could just wind up being a series of meetings. It could wind up just being entertained by a preacher. It could be just bringing in the singing group and everybody, you know, well, wasn't that good and wasn't that wonderful. But we come to find that when there are hearts and minds that come together, when we come together with the sole purpose, as we look here, I got my brother from the UK and we're as different as daylight and dark. Me and brother Eli are different and Eli and brother Gold are different and brother Gold and brother Eddie are we have all these different personalities but I thank God for the common denominators one of those denominators being the blood of Jesus we're here today because we've been born again and can I say that there is a love of God that goes beyond what our differences might be oh can I tell you God cannot move by his spirit the Holy Ghost will not anoint or bless a place that is divided or divisive and may it be that we here at Victory Temple, if we're going to be a church on fire, it is going to be that we come together for the sole purpose. I'm not here to impress you, and I pray you're not here to try to impress me, but if we can just get into the presence of God, if we can just worship, if we can allow Him to have His way, we will see God do a work that cannot be contained. 
Oh, getting our hearts and minds in a place. There are a lot of reasons why people come to church. And you can have a whole lot of reasons of why you come and miss the reason. You understand what I'm saying? You can miss the reason. And it is important that being of one accord, of one mind, God will not bless. As a matter of fact, Psalms went on to tell us this. Behold, how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. And he went on to say, Sister Shannon, he symbolized it and used the analogy. He said, it is like the oil. It was like the oil that ran down Aaron's beard and ran down his garments. In other words, it was a, a unity is a sign of anointing. It is a sign that God blessed. That's why the Word of God also said, we oftentimes use it, amen, when there's bad weather or when everybody's gone on vacation, we'll say things like, well, well there's two or three, bless God. Here we are, you know, there's two or three of us. But listen, that's more than just attendance. That's more than just if you just have a small number but what it meant there brother Danny was the fact again the power of agreement coming together the power of at least two that come together what happens he said he said if one can put a thousand to flight he said then two ten thousand I want to let you know it is very much spiritual and it is very much a, sim- a sign and a symbol of the anointing of the Holy Ghost we can claim we're a Pentecostal church all day long but if we're backbiting and hypocrites and gossiping and tongue lashing and lying and everything else and divisive and and whispering and separating friendships and and this opinion is better than that opinion and this position is better than that opinion I can tell you we're nothing more than a sounding brass and a tinkling cymbal but if we want to see the river flow if we want to wade out in the waters to where we can't contain where we are overtaken and being caught up in the current of the spirit of God where as I said lives are saved bodies are healed thoughts are revealed God's will and vision is performed then let us come together let us make up our mind this is why I'm in God's house is for the purpose of knowing him and the purpose of drawing together oh stepping into the presence of God together we're here to do God's work and God's business and I'll tell you the enemy will try many ways in order to distract your mind and detour your emotions and get you all over the place and get you all out of sync and get you separated and isolated and cut off from the body because there's power an agreement, power in coming together. Once you understand, as the church this, this day, there was 120 that were there. And we come to find that uh, the, the, what takes place, as I want you to understand, is that Pentecost was visualized. Visualized. What do you mean by that, Brother Jacob? What I'm stating here this morning is that it went from It went from something said by Christ that this is what the Father's going to do. That this is what the Father's going to send. And it was visualized that day. Because the Bible tells us this, that as they were there together, 
that there came the sound of a rushing mighty wind. And as it came in direct, listen, this was not a buildup. This was not something that just, you know, it started out maybe as a little breeze and then it made its way. No, it came on instantly. Suddenly, the Bible says, with the direct objective, God the Holy Ghost, the, the, the GPS of God the Holy Ghost zeroed in on that upper room and came into that room. They could hear. There are some, can you imagine? I can only imagine if today, if, that, if a rushing mighty wind, the Bible says, if it came into this house, it would catch everybody by surprise it would it would be something that would startle you couldn't see the wind but however it was something that was an experience that filled the house and they knew the Holy Ghost was there the Bible says and they it filled all the house and all that were within that house and the Bible said that as the Holy Ghost filled them and they spoke with other tongues but it says there were cloven tongues of fire that rested upon their head. Could you imagine looking around that prayer meeting? Could you imagine looking and seeing that flame of fire up above the heads of the brothers and sisters? I want you to know is that there was a visualization. It was not just symbolic. It was not something the writers put in and, and said, well, this is there. This, this was just, it meant something. No, sir. No, ma'am. Not only was it symbolic. Is this on? Test, test, test. There we go. 
And so let this be something that is visible. I don't want us to be just a, oh, when people come by. Oh, I, I, we have had folks come in and visit for different things. And there have been folks that said, I love, this church is beautiful. I love the woodwork. And, I, and they would talk about it. And I said, yes, it's a beautiful church. But I want it to be more than just admiring woodwork and admiring a piece of property. We've also had folks that Sister Haley, they were not here to admire the woodwork or for a bride to say, I want to be married in this building. Oh, but we've had folks who have come in from the highway and pulled into this church and sat in a service and God move on them and say, I don't know why, but I felt compelled to come into the house of God. Oh, may it be, may it be that there be a fire that burns above this church and in these pews. And how does that happen? When we allow and open ourselves and say, Holy Ghost, have your way in me. Hallelujah. Do a work in me. Because the church, it's not a building, but it is the body. It is the body, a body who is filled with the Holy Ghost. A body as to where it can be seen what God is doing. Those cloven tongues of fire, it was a distinct mark of separation of the fact of what God was doing upon those people that were gathered there and how God was going to take those people and begin to literally reach the world that before the day was over, 3,000 souls were going to be added into the kingdom. Let me, let me, under, let me also make you aware, not only was it visualized, but, but we come to find is that the church on fire, that the work and the person of the Holy Ghost, it is verbalized. It is verbalized. Understand, this is the significance of tongues. We come to find as to where that day as they began to pray and as the Holy Ghost filled them, the reason why it was asked, aren't these Galileans, is because they were unlearned men in the sense of they did not speak all the dialects that were represented there. I had the privilege of being in Luxembourg with my uncle, and one of the things that astounded me is over there in the church in Esh, as I preached that Sunday morning, and my uncle, he began to interpret uh, one of the things he told me before service. He said, uh, he said, in this church, he said, every person in this church can speak a minimum of five languages. Five languages, some of them more. And so whether that be English, Luxembourgese, French, German, uh, there were Africans that were there. There was, a, I mean, just a, a melting pot of people. It really was an international pool of people that were there. And so you have to understand that these that were there on the day of Pentecost, as, as they were men represented under uh, all the nations under the heavens that were there that day for the Feast of Pentecost. And as these men began to be filled with the Holy Ghost and they began to speak with other tongues, the Bible says they were verbalizing the wondrous works of God. They were declaring. And everybody that was there, there were those that were there in places that were unknown and unreached. But understand this, is that God in His omnipotence, in His omniscience, omniscience knowing of all who would be there that day, is that they would come together and He would begin to be proclaimed and preached 
in the tongues of men that had never yet heard, that had never yet experienced. And it said that those men marveled as the gospel was verbalized. Let me say this, is that even the gift of speaking in tongues has become something that has been become so dumbed down and, and pushed, to, pushed to almost as if it's just some kind of theatric. It is still the first initial evidence of being filled with the Holy Ghost. As these men were filled with the Holy Ghost, they spake with other tongues. And let me say that still today that implies and that is, and that is imperative that we know that. But it, you are not filled with the Holy Ghost so that you can walk around and speak in tongues. But you are filled with the Spirit because the gospel is to be verbalized we find as they were empowered they went they preached they labored they served and the gospel hit the corners of the world because the spirit of God the Holy Ghost moved through men as vehicles so that the wondrous works of God could be declared understand Understand is that this is not, it's not just for entertainment. It's not just to wear a badge and say, I speak in tongues. But I want you to understand is that, is that this is the evidence, the evidence. And someone, you know, one time asked me, said, why is it that someone speaks in tongues when they are filled with the Holy Ghost? And one of the things that I have said is the fact that we find that James said this. He said that the hardest member... Of your body to control is the tongue. When we are filled with the Holy Ghost, it is an act of surrender. It is an act of surrender. And one of the things that I believe, this is Brother Jacob's thinking. There's commentary and things that say this too, but this is what I think. And, and some might have better theology than I do. But I think one of the reasons why the tongue is used and speaking in tongues is that initial sign is because if that mouth can get surrendered, it is evidence of the fact that that heart is surrendered. Because the Bible tells us this, from the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And so I believe personally there's correlation there. It is a sign that all has been surrendered and we are allowing God, the Holy Ghost, to speak through us. The Bible says, as, and it happens, as the Spirit gives the utterance. And so that also lets me know heart is engaged, Surrender, I have to be surrendered. Mind is engaged as I speak what is there. Can I tell some of you who are seeking the baptism of the Holy Ghost, what time do I have? I'm just now, I'm at noon, we're doing good. Uh, is that we come to find ourselves in a place as to where uh, I, I want those of you that are seeking the baptism. I had somebody ask me the other day, they said, what will happen to me when I am filled with the Holy Ghost? And I, and, and I, and, but they were asking from a sense of concern and fear. And I asked the, and I asked the question, I said, well, what do you mean what will happen? He, and, and they said, well, will I, will I act like this? Will I do like this? Will I 
flop out on the floor? Will I, you know, and, and, and th- in thinking that that would mean that that would have to happen, I said, no, sir. I said, as a matter of fact, I said, the night that I was filled with the Holy Ghost, I said, I stood there in that altar. I began to worship God. I began just to tell God how much I loved Him. I did not beg and plead and pry. I spent years doing that. I spent years trying, trying to find a way, trying to find a way and begging and pleading. And I remember reaching a point where I just began to worship. And that night, Sister Anna, I could tell you, I stood on the left side of the altar in South Roxana Assembly of God. Church, and within a matter of three minutes, when I was telling God uh, how much I loved Him, and I just began to say, Lord, I thank you and I worship you, Brother Eli. All of a sudden, I knew that my English language could not do justice. And in my mind, hear, hear your pastor, in my mind, it sounded like baby jabber. In my mind, it sounded like what in the world, but all I knew is there was something swelling up inside of me. And I, and there were times, Sister Tor. I had been at that place before, but I'd talk myself out of it. I'd say, well, I, I, no, I, I can't do that. that, that that's the, that'd be too, too embarrassing. Or, or well, may, what if I, here, here's my favorite, what if I get it wrong? Now, some of you are laughing because you've been where I've been. What if I get it wrong? What if I, you know, I don't, and I've heard people say, I don't want to blaspheme the Holy Ghost. I don't want to be. Let me tell you something. You're not going to blaspheme the Holy Ghost. It, you, you, there's, it's not even a condition of your heart if you're in those altars seeking the baptism. Let's just set the record straight. I know some of this is elementary, but it's good to visit this. But I remember that night, and I, at times I thought, Brother Gary, well, if I get the Holy Ghost, am I going to be running the church? Am I going to be dancing? Am I going to be doing this stuff? And that night, it was such a sweet, calm experience. And all of a sudden, Sister Anna, the I love you, Lord, and the hallelujahs, it couldn't go, and it sounded like baby jabber. And I had decided before service that night, number one, I decided, I said, I am going to receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost tonight. Let me just say that. Let me, I I feel like somebody in here, you need to know that. You come into God's house with your mind made up. You come into God's house and say, God, this is what I believe is going to happen for me today. I'm not going to leave until it does. And I went in there with my mind made up. The altar call was made. Brother James Snow was preaching revival that week. I stood there on that side, lifted my hand and I made up my mind brother Chris Tibbetts I was not going to try to rationalize I was not going to try to think about it I was just going to worship and as I did the spirit of God began to move upon me and I said I'm just going to obey I'll just speak I know it sounds like baby jabber but I'll say it anyway and as I brother Tobin began to open my mouth let me say that you can't stand here and not say anything Don't stand up here when you're seeking the baptism and just. Because the Holy Ghost is a gentleman. He's not going to force you. There are some people who think, well, God's just going to take over. No. The spirit is subject to the prophet. What does that mean? Let Let me explain something. Is that if you ever hear somebody say, I couldn't control myself, it was just the Holy Ghost? That's false. 
Because I've heard that used to try to explain away bad behavior in church. Hear me. What do you mean by bad behavior, Brother Jacob? Things that were out of line. I knew a sister between here and China. And every service she felt led to pull somebody from a pew and try to get them down to the altar to pray. I confronted her. I said, sis, you can't do that no more. Well, I can't help it. The Holy Ghost moves on me. I said, no, ma'am, you can help it. I said, and what's happening is, is you're embarrassing the people that you're bringing down there, number one. I said, and number two, what's happening is they're not praying to God or for God to help them. They're only down there because you brought them down there. They're trying to appease you. They're trying to get you to leave them alone. That's good preaching, Brother Jake. Okay. Yes. And so what was happening is, and, and she, her feelings were hurt. Her, she was as sincere as she could be, but she was sincerely wrong. And I just, I, I told her, I said, you, you can't do that. I said, there will be a distinct difference. I said, you will know. You will know that you know when God is dealing with you to talk to somebody. I said, but the Holy Ghost is not in the business of embarrassing people. I said, as a matter of fact, he comes to convict and deal with in such a way and move upon hearts so that way sin doesn't embarrass you because the devil loves to embarrass you. Sin loves to make an open mockery of you. And that's why I believe when you see or you hear of big names or big preachers or big ministries that fall into all types of wrong and immorality, I can assure you this, that somewhere along the way, God was ever lovingly trying to get their attention before it became a debacle. And so I was, so in saying this, God will not force himself, the Holy Ghost will not force himself so when you come and you're seeking the baptism of the Holy Ghost, you're making up your mind, this is what I desire and I believe God wants to give it to me. Give me the, give me the baptism of the Holy Ghost because it's a gift. It's the gift of God. And then as you worship, as you worship and as you begin to worship and the Spirit of God gives utterance, like I said, the best way when I've prayed with people, I've often told them, it sounds like baby jabber. I said, but when you hear that in your mind, that's the Spirit trying to give you utterance. I said, speak it out in obedience. And when I did, it was like a spring just welled up within me. And I just began to pray and praise and speak in other tongues. And now the Word of God lets us know that those tongues, not only on the day of Pentecost, they were dialects spoken by men. And there are also, and, and I know I'm, I'm trying not to rabbit trail here, but that is also biblical in the sense that Paul told the church of Corinthians, he said there is the gift of divers tongues, meaning diversity of tongues. The Torberts will know who I'm talking about. There was a gentleman at Beach Creek Assembly of God, Brother James Kane. And when that man was used in the gifts of, of, of tongues in the church, a message in tongues, there was times he sounded like he was Hispanic. There were times he sounded like he was Middle Eastern. There were times, he, I mean, it, I believe 
that he had the gift of divers' tongues. He spoke, and if, and if I could understand them, I, but they were so distinct and so specific, even with accent. It was unbelievable. You all know who I'm talking about. It was unbelievable. And so tongues do share the power of God and the wondrous works of God in dialect that is spoken today. But also Paul went on to say that there's also heavenly language. Heavenly language. And a language that may not be spoken in dialects on earth, but it is very well spoken and understood in heaven. The gospel being verbalized. There was a young man who was at a, at a meeting and he was from Africa. He was a foreign exchange student. He was in the States going to school. He was invited to a Pentecostal service. Had, had not been in a service like that ever before was his testimony. He came up, the preacher preached. And he came up and he stood in the altars. And, and there was a whole lot of college students in those altars. And they were all there. And he said there was a man standing behind him. And he said, he said, the, the preacher said, lift your hands and begin to worship. He said, I, I really didn't know what to do. He said, I just lifted my hands. He said, I'm kind of looking around. And he said, all of a sudden, he said, a man behind me was speaking in the language, the dialect of where I came from. And was speaking specifically to me. And speaking specifically to my condition and my situations I've been going through. And that night, that foreign exchange student who had never been in a Pentecostal meeting before. God used the gift of tongues. The verbalization of the gospel to speak specifically to one young man in that service. Gave his life to God. Later filled with the Holy Ghost. Back in Africa now. And has shared the gospel. With his family. That's what the Holy Ghost does. That's what the Holy Ghost does. Visualize. Verbalize. And let me end with this. It vitalizes. What does that mean? Brings to life. Brings to life. I want you to understand. The devil. Everything he does. Constitutes death. We have people in our churches and they are dealing with the instruments of death. And what do you mean by that? There's death in their thinking. There's death in their marriages. There's death in their homes. There's spiritual death and destruction on every turn and every corner. I mean sin knows nothing else but death. And Christ said, I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. We find, Brother Matthew, as to where the Word of God says that, that we are now new creations, new creatures. And it takes men and women who maybe there was struggle, maybe there was things. You look at the life of Peter before the baptism of the Spirit. We find Peter, Peter was struggling. He was struggling with his own denial of Christ. And here, here he is, he's on the precipice. He is, if you will, the, one, of the, one of the faces of the, of, of the church and the evangelizing of the gospel and and here's all these things he contends with Tobin all these things he's got his temper and his attitude and his personality and all of these various things but what happens is when the Holy Ghost moved upon him 
and filled him. The Bible says he stood on the day of Pentecost. He preached Christ. And the word of God says that that day 3,000 souls were added to the kingdom. Once you understand is that it brings about new life. It turns the light switch on. And the fact is the Holy Ghost as he lives and moves and operates inside of you. Yes, there is power. Power that we can have and exercise over sin, over demons, over devils. Understand these things are very real. But can I tell you this? Is that one of the things that is sometimes not preached and not spent time on. Is also the Spirit of God as he brings new life. He brings about fruit in your life. Don't get me wrong. It's scriptural. Said you can drink any poisonous thing. It wouldn't harm you. That's what he was telling that, telling the church. He said you could. He said you could take up serpents. We saw. We see these things that were manifested throughout scripture. We saw that especially through the persecution of the church, there were supernatural things that was given by way of the Holy Ghost, so that those men or those women would not die by the hands of tyrants. And it was a further a testimony. Of what God did and how, and how God used those testimonies and evidences to, so that others could be saved. But let me say this. Is I believe we have preached so much on that that we have completely negated and neglected the fact that the Holy Ghost at work in your life will produce self-control. Gentleness. Kindness. Meekness. We find that the word of God tells us that there is going to be life produced in us because the spirit of God abides in us. We are in error if we think that we can just go out into the community. Yep, we're Pentecostal. Yep, oh yeah, our church, boy, yeah. Ooh, we get excited around there. Oh yeah, boy, I mean, we yeah, we we speak in tongues and and we shout and and, and we'll do this and we'll do that. Listen, you can say all that stuff all day long. But if the people who are around you and work with you and lay, let me say and live with you. If they can't see the fruits of the spirit in your life. There's no testimony of the Holy Ghost at work. There's not. He will bring brother Aaron as he deals and as he draws and as he's at work in my life. He also, he cuts and prunes and deals with me and shapes with me in ways so that way I can flourish, that I can produce fruit. And Brother Gold, not so that I can walk around and have all the fruit and say, looky here, look at me. That's not what it's about either. It's so that others can see it, even partake of it, experience those things and say, there's got to be something different about you. Now, I know on this Pentecost Sunday, we're not swinging from the chandeliers, but I have delivered to you sound biblical teaching in regards to the work and the person of the Holy Ghost. Brother Danny, Sister Carolyn, if you'd come. And so this morning, here's what I'm going to ask of us to do. As we are here gathered today, like I said, and I don't want it to be for rah, rah, sis, boom, ba, cheerleading and for, to, to get an amen out of you. But I legitimately, I want Victory Temple that when people come in here, they sense and know the reality of the person of the Holy Ghost. But mo can I say this? I don't know if I should use the term more importantly, but maybe I should. 
is that when we leave here, is that when we leave here, that Brother Tobin, this is not just an experience for when we're here in this building, when we're here in a service, but that it is something that because the Spirit is in us, that as we leave here, He is working through us. Working through us. And so this morning, can I tell you, first of all, let me just put some minds at rest. It is not a badge of dishonor, nor is it in anything to be embarrassed about if you're yet to be filled with the Holy Ghost. I have seen too many people who were seeking the baptism, and I'm speaking from experience, who would reach a point to just think, man, I, I'm just, I must be dirt. I, I, I don't, I'm unworthy. How come I haven't been filled? And I, and I started, and don't get me wrong, as we press in, as we seek God, he will, do, he will deal with you about some things and speak some things and prepare your heart. Absolutely. But do not walk in here or have your head down or be embarrassed. Because if anything, let it be something that is embraced by the fact that I may not be filled yet, but I am going to be filled with the Holy Ghost. Let, it, let there be something that in your heart it keeps you, keeps you hungry, keeps you pursuing, keeps you seeking after. And this is something else, church, is when we, these adults that are in this room, if we will be full of the Holy Ghost, seeking the Holy Ghost, let me tell you something, that in, in itself manifests and translates into our children. And, it, and our children, they start to see and recognize something different, Brother Segura. And moms and dads and these kids and young people, they begin to be hungry and say, Lord, would you fill me with the Holy Ghost? Because it's not just for mamas and daddies, it's for children too. It's for children too. And may our testimony burn so brightly so that we can testify and see. Let it be that it is the proverbial church on fire. Let people come and see. And also, let you take that fire with you when you leave this place that you're, that you're igniting some things. That you're, that fire is touching some other things so that it can catch on fire too. That's what happened on the day of Pentecost. They did not sit around and say, look at us. We got us a mega church. Nope. They came together. They discipled. They taught. They broke bread. They fellowshiped. The Lord added. But do you know what those 3,000 wound up doing? They wound up going back home. They wound up going back to the nations they came from. So that the gospel could impact where they were at. And so that's what happens when a church is on fire. Pentecost is visualized, verbalized, and the church and its people are vitalized. Not just the church and its people, but the people around it. Around it. Can we stand together all over this house? This morning I'm going to ask... Let me give you this disclaimer. I want you to notice we are not worked up into a, a hype. We are not worked up in emotion. I'm not up here spitting and snorting and running around. And there is nobody. I'm not going to come and 
push on you and blow on you and kick you and hit you and all the things that we've seen sometimes. Now, that's when I talk about bad behavior in the church. But here's what I'm simply going to ask you today. And may it be the desire of all that would be in here. That if this morning before we leave this house that we can come together. We're already in one place. And be of one mind and one accord and just say, Lord, would you again. Lord, just a fresh touch, a fresh infilling. Those who, if you've been filled with the Holy Ghost, Lord, just a fresh infilling. Because, Brother Hemphill, I don't believe that when I was 16 years old on the left side of that church, that that was the only and the last time to be filled with the Spirit of God. That was the first time. That was the first initial feeling. But since then, Brother Eddie, there's been many times, many times, oh, where I could walk away from a place and say, I've been refilled and refreshed. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. The last couple of days, collectively, we spent 16 hours on the road. You know what I had to do in 16 hours? I had to put some fuel in the tank. I didn't drive all 16 hours on one tank. Had to stop. Had to stop at Bucky's. You know how that goes. Got some fuel for the car, got some fuel for Jacob. Amen. But we need refreshing, refilling. If you're here and you'd say, Brother Jake, I, I've never been baptized in the Holy Ghost. And I, I, I'm, I'm interested. I want to. There's a desire to. Then you're in the right place as well. Come on. Come on in this altar and lift those hands and just begin to worship and begin to magnify God. And don't be surprised when the Spirit of God begins to give you utterance as you begin to speak in other tongues. Ain't, no, ain't nobody in here going to tell you what to say. Ain't nobody going to try to force you what to say something or anything of that nature. It's going to be the Spirit of God gives utterance. But I'm going to ask, can we do this this morning, church? We're a church family here. It shouldn't be anybody in this room embarrassed. Like I said, we make no apologies for being Pentecostal. But I think that you will help encourage somebody. If Why don't we just come? I want everybody who will to come. This will help. This will help. Folks, just come and stand. Just come in. We're going to just stand in here in this altar. Come on up here. Come on up here. Just stand in this altar. Say, well, Brother Jacob, shouldn't, shouldn't we be sweating and shouldn't we be hollering and shouldn't we? But I'm going I'm to tell you right now, is that the power of God, that those things are not needed. The Word of God said that they began to, that they began to pray. They had been praying for 10 days. They had been seeking God. Amen. They'd been getting their mind on God. Hallelujah. And they, and they just began, I, I believe, I believe that there was, there was nothing of theatrics there. It was just worship. It was heartfelt worship. All right. And that's all I'm asking today. Can we lift our hands? Right here where you are, lift your hands. Yes, I'm giving you some instruction. Lift your hands right where you are. And I want you right now. Now, not only lift your hands, but open your mouth and begin to worship. Would you right now just begin to glorify God? Would you right now just begin to tell Him, Lord, Oh, I love you. I thank you for the gift of the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Lord, would you pour out? Come on, church. We need the 
Holy Ghost. We desire the Holy Ghost. Oh, Lord, would you have your way? Lord, would you have your way in our hearts and lives? Would you right now simply ask the Lord, Lord, would you fill me with the baptism? Would you refill me with the baptism? Come on, church. We need a fresh drink. We need a fresh touch. The Bible said, and filled all that were in the house. And filled all that were in the house. Come on, that's it. Worship. the power. 